It's Sunday morning, and we are talking about things that I don't hear any preachers talking about in America. I'm going to make a statement. You're going to think that I'm being egotistical, but I'm not. I don't know of any preacher in America. I don't know, and I've listened to thousands of them. I've listened to them all my life. I'll be 80 years old come May, and I've been preaching for 57 years. I started getting real serious about the Greek language 40 years ago. I've been studying the Greek text. It doesn't matter whether people believe it or not. The New Testament was written in Greek. It wasn't written in Syrian or it wasn't written in in any other a language other than Greek. Old Testament was written in Hebrew. We've got the definitions of the words. First of all, I'll introduce you to how you find out what these words mean in the Bible. I started using a Strong's Concordance when I was 40. This is a Strong's Exhaustive Concordance. It's got every word in the Bible listed in it alphabetically. You turn to a verse, you look for that word alphabetically, you look it up, and you go down to that verse in the in the main body of the text. You look at the number right beside it. If it's New Testament, you look in the back. In the Greek dictionary, go to that number. It'll tell you the word in the Greek. It'll give it to you in the Greek language. And it will tell you what it means. And it may say it comes from these other two words or other four words. You look them up. However, Mr. Strong doesn't give you a full understanding. I'll say this one more time. In a Strong's Concordance, he will give you, for instance... I'll give you my favorite word to show people. The word the. That is a definite article in the Greek. The. The. Now, in order to get a full understanding of this, you might need your first year Greek book, and it'll it'll give you the layout of it. Uh, You have singular, plural, you have masculine, feminine, neuter gender in the singular, masculine, feminine, neuter gender in the plural. Then you've got the cases where they are. You have nominative, genitive, dative, and accusative case. The means there is no other in this particular situation. You have a and an in the English, but there are no indefinite articles in the Greek. How do you know if it's going to be a uh, thing or an? Because it's going to be according to the context. I don't have time to go into all of that. So you've got 24 ways just to spell the word the in the Greek text. The original text is right here. You've got the Greek on the top line, and you've got the English right under it. Well, i got it turned up. No, I don't you got the English right under it, but I don't even trust the English words in this because there's a lot of errors made in the King James Bible. 
Why? Because half the translators were Roman Catholic and half of them were Calvinist. And they had a knockdown drag out in the translating room from uh, 1605 to 1611 when the King James was put out. And I use the King James because it comes from the Textus Receptus. You'll see TR. Now, when I give you these words, they come out of this book right here. I will use Mr. Strong to get some definitions to a degree. All Mr. Strong will give you is nominative case. That means the subject or the predicate nominative. He'll give you that singular masculine. That's all you'll get out of Strong's. If you want to know... what a word is, like for instance, for God so loved the world, Mr. Strong will say cosmos, or K-O-S-M-O-S. An S in the middle of a word looks like an oval with a little flag on top. S on the end of a word looks like our S. Now, genitive case is, genitive case is showing possession. Baptism of repentance. Of repentance, when you look that up in an analytical lexicon, that is what I would call a parsing guide. You look up these words, it'll give you the part of speech. It'll give you whether it's a past tense or future tense. Past tense is aorist indicative. That means it's past tense. You've got... Well, I don't need to go on that right now. That's genitive case. Dative case is the indirect object. Accusative case is the direct object. Jim threw John. He didn't throw John. The ball. Ball receives the action of the verb through. Ball. That is direct object. John is the indirect object. He didn't throw John. He threw John the ball. So that's what these two cases would be, depending on, you say, why is that important? When Jesus said in John 14 and 6, well, he said right before that, he said, and the way you know. He used the word tau ada. That's in this, that's in this feminine it's feminine, and he said, and I am the way, that's feminine gender. What did he mean talking to the apostles, saying, I am the feminine way? He was talking to the nucleus of the church, the wife, the bride of Christ. He said, the way you know, and it's in your heart. So therefore, it is the way for the church. In fact, way is the word, way is the word, uh, Hodos. And there's only two ways, and one is a narrow way, Matthew seven, thirteen, fourteen, narrow way, and there's a broad way. Broad, narrow is the word thelebo, and thelebo is the is the verb form. You've got a noun and a verb form of the noun. In faith, you have a noun. The verb form is believe. Faith is the word P-I-S-T-I-S. Believe in the Greek is P-I-S-T. 
P-I-S-T. Notice that that's the stem of the word that never changes. P-I-S-T-E-U-O. Word endings are changed depending on a character. So when you believe God, believe is a verb. That's something you do. You're not saved by works, but you are saved by a working faith. I don't believe the preachers in the world today. I was raised in a Baptist preacher, so my father's a Baptist preacher. He would stand up and give you three or four points in a poem and shout and tell stories for 45 minutes. If I don't believe in what my father did, I had to pull completely away from him as an independent Baptist. When I pulled away, I started studying. I was 17 years old. In 1956, I was in high school when I started reading the Bible. Had some years of sin like everybody here has had, and God had to deal with me on that. I'm saying this morning, I am the only man that I know of. Now, I'm going to make a statement. I'm the only man that I know of that is trying. Notice I said trying. I'm trying. I'm not cutting any slack for nobody. Don't cut it for my wife, my son, my daughter, my grandkids, no one. I have gone through unbelievable amount of fiery trials in life. God stuck me in the hospital in my mid-40s, and I nearly died over a two- to three-year period. And I promise God I will tell all the truth to all the people all the time. Now, I'm the only person I know of that is trying to tell all, all the truth, all the time, the best I can. I'm going to do it. I will not favor anyone here. I won't favor anybody in my family. And if it makes you mad, it'll just have to make you mad. Now, some people will say, well, that's because you weren't successful in anything else. I was a super singer when I was young, had this great voice, and God took that away from me because he didn't want me to be a star in the music business. I sold real estate for years, and I was one of the top salesmen in this town. I was the top salesman in the company. You Are you bragging, Jim? No. I'm glad I got out of that. That just nearly drove me crazy. I worked 90 hours a week being successful in somebody. I don't believe in that anymore. I've got people that hate the ground I walk on because I correct all the preachers in America that I know of. Didn't believe in Billy Graham. He preached so much error. The man was erroneous about salvation. He was more famous than me. He was more powerful with the Southern Baptist Convention. But the Southern Baptist Convention in 1850 taught what I teach here. Now, that's the truth. Let's go over here to John 16. John 16. This is a verse. I love this because it talks about how that when the Holy Spirit has come, he's going to take us to all the truth, not some truth, but all of it. Look here at John 16 and verse 13. Now, this is going to straighten some things out with some Pentecostals. I don't like Pentecostalism. I do not believe in tongues. They have no idea what those words mean. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all the truth. Not part truth. Truth, remember, is the word aletheia in the Greek. A-L-E-T-H-E-I-A. This is the word truth. It don't matter whether people believe it or not. This is the truth. 
It is a construction of the word lanthano. This is truth. Lanthano. Lanthano means to lie hid or conceal. Now in the Greek, when you want to give the opposite meaning to a word, the alpha privative, first letter of the Greek alphabet is placed in front of a word. That's called the alpha privative. It negates the word, the following word, and gives an opposite meaning. It's just like a typical in our language. Atypical means not typical or asexual means not sexual. Alanthano translates truth and it means not to hide anything. And that's what definition does for you. It does not hide anything. And then he goes on to say, goes on to say, it'll guide you into all truth. And he shall not speak of himself. Now, what the truth is, the Bible says in John 14 and 15 and 16, John 15 and verse 25 and 26, that the comforter, when he is come, the comforter is the truth. The comforter is, this is what comforts us. Comfort, comforter is the word parakletos, P-A-R-A-K-L-E-T-O-S. Parakletos comes from two words, para. We get our word parallel from that. It means near. That's the comforter in Kaleo, K-A-L-E-O. No doubt you will recognize Kaleo from the word church. Church is the word ecclesia, E-K-K-L-E-S-I-A. It's a construction of ek and Kaleo. Church is the called out. Now this word parakletos means to call kaleo near and the word para kaleo means to it that is the word it comes from this word parakletos it's the word comfort what comforts us is taking the cover off. When you take the cover off, you don't hide anything. This word, aletheia, truth, is going to be a synonym. That's a, it's a synonym of... A synonym means the same. Sin, synonym. And it's a synonym for apo, K-A-L-U-P-T-O. This is the word reveal, and it means off with the cover. And we get our word revelation, which is apo, K-A-L-U-P-S-I-S. Apocalypsis, and we call it apocalypse. 
I love teaching on Revelation. I did four and a half years on Revelation. And I went through nearly every word in the book, every culture, every custom, 236 messages. Then I came back and did another about 40 messages. And without... A, Revelation is one of the easiest books I've ever taught. Not because I'm so smart, but because I looked up all the words and what they meant. And when you find out what they mean, you uncover them. You take the cover off. Revelation doesn't mean something hazy and a smoke. It means take the cover off. And I don't have time to do that right now. Now, look back over here at John 15, 25. And then we'll read 26. But this cometh to pass that the word might be fulfilled, that it is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. That's what Jesus said. They hated him for telling the truth. He tells the truth to the Pharisees over in John 8. If you want to look at that with me. John 8. And he says in John 8. He says. He's, he's preaching to the Pharisees. And he tells them. In verse. In verse 39. This is the. The Pharisees talking to Jesus, they answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said unto them, If you were of Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. Now you seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, the aletheia, taking the cover off. Now the world hates me. Men, they really hate me for telling the truth. They don't like it. When you define the word, you get to the truth. What happened to America? We are in the apostasy. It's here. It's going on in the churches. Apostasy. That is the word falling away in Second Thessalonians 2 and 3. The day of the Lord will not come except there come a falling away first. Apo. A removal. Same thing over here. Apocalypto. See, if you get to knowing these prefixes, you'll get to understanding this. Take off the cover. And this apo, this falling away is apostasis. A removal of stasis. Stasis means to stand upright. So at the end of time, men are going to removing the standing upright. In the Greek language, you have you have what you call morphemes. And this is very important to understand, morphemes. Morpheme is the word shape. If you get words, I've got books on morphemes. That means word shapes, where they come from, other words that they are related to. This word stasis also comes from the word Staros, and if a man was said to be standing upright, he was said to be bearing his staros, which is the word cross. But men don't like that word cross. They don't like the daily cross. They don't even like the wooden cross that Jesus was on because he didn't die for everybody. He didn't love everybody. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Now it says in the King James Bible, it, 
That's not the word. I've said this before. The church was the wife or the bride of Christ. You better not call your wife an it. Is your wife there? No, it is out in the yard working in the yard. You do that, you're going to be in trouble. You don't call your wife it. It is her. The word in Ephesians 5.26, Husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for a u t Ada. Anytime a word ends with an Ada, that's this letter right here, it's feminine gender. Jesus didn't die for it. He died for her. And there's an exact number in his church. Now, people hate me for saying that because they don't like predestination. That amazes me. People hate predestination. Yet the Bible says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Well, God didn't mean that. He means exactly that. For whom he did predestinate, verse 20, 30, verse 30, Romans Romans 8 and 30. Whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, them he also justified. Predestinate. Called. Whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Called, justified, and glorified. In the Greek language, those are all aorist, indicative verbs. They're all verbs showing action. You see, I don't know what an aorist indicative is. Let me make it plain for you. Past tense. This was all done from the foundation of the world. Call kaleo predestinate pro horizo you can't say the word predestinate destiny is not the word it is pro before before and horizo there's no h's in the greek alphabet up here here's the greek alphabet no h's in it there's what's called a diacritical mark it's a breathing sound It's a breathing sound. It's pronounced ho-rizzo. Ho-rizzo. Ho-rizzo is our word horizon. The horizon is the division of light and dark. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. This is Jesus. So God has predetermined a family, the ones he foreknew, P-R-O-G-I-N-O-S-K-O. When I'm in doctor's offices, I tell them this. I give them, I've talked to all my doctors about predestination, all of them. Do you know what that means? No, I said it comes from pro, meaning before. That's a prefix. Before gnosko. We get our word, I say, we get your word prognosis from that. But prognosko means to know intimately. beforehand pro before that's what predestinate means whom god knew beforehand he's predetermined for the horizon horizon is where the light shines light shines
wrote it once, I'll write it again. Well, the light shines, and that's Christ. God is pre-Jesus to family. Why is predestination true? The main reason predestination is not true is true because there's none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. No one seeks God. You're dead in your sin. Well, how much will does a man that's dead in a casket have to eat a hamburger? You can go in there with a hamburger that... Stop down here at Wendy's and you go into the funeral home and say, Now, I know you died last week and you hadn't eaten in a week. Would you like to sit up here and eat this hamburger? You must be hungry by now. You think a dead person can do anything alive? You're dead. You were dead in trespasses and sin. He has to quicken. You can't quicken yourself yet. Dead people have no will. You have to be quickened. Who is going to do the quickening? The Bible says Jesus quickeneth whom he wills. Quicken. Z-O-O-P-O-I-E-O. Zupo is a construction of poeo, meaning to make or do. It's not just merely a word that means to make or do. The common word that means to make or do is the word ergon. This word means to toil in the dirt, to toil. In fact, G-E-O-R-G-O-U-S. Georgios is a construction of gay and ergon. It means a tiller of the gay soil. Remember we talked about gay? Men hate the, they hate the daily cross because they love earthly things. The word earth is the word gay, and it means dirt or soil. The reason people don't want to crucify themselves is because they love dirt. It's what it is. Their mind is on earthly things. They hate the cross of Christ because their sentiment there in Philippians, the third chapter, their sentiment, their affection is on dirt. What do you mean their affection's on dirt? Everything you see with your physical eyes is dirt. You're dirt. These tables are dirt. Your car's dirt. They even have to dig that oil out of the ground and it's dirt. A diamond ring ain't nothing but coal under pressure for a hundred thousand years. That's all it is. It's dirt. Men like dirt. Nothing you wear, nothing you drive, nothing you live in is anything except dirt in a different fashion. New York City was here a million years ago in the form of dirt. It just was different. We built it up, made houses and buildings out of it. It's dirt. Well, I'll tell you what, giving up dirt is the hardest thing in the world to do, isn't it? Well, I like that stuff that I've got. It's made out of dirt. I like dirt. Well, that's why you don't want to crucify self and crucify. By the way, the word George comes from that. Georgios is the word George. It means the tiller of the soil. That would be a good name to name your kid, George. All right. Don't, make them, don't name your kid Tiglath Pelezer. That, whew. <laughs> They'll have to call him Tiggy in school. That was one of the, one of the conquerors of the, uh, 
of the Assyrian Empire. I hate Tiglath's pleaser. All right, so now when I define these words, it makes people mad. They get they get angry with me for no cause. Let me give you the rest of that sentence. They hated me without a cause. Verse 29. When the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of taking the cover off. When you see truth, think of taking the cover off. Do you have the ability to take the cover off? Does it make you nervous when you talk to somebody? Let me tell you something that will make you strong. Learn these words. If you come here, if you watch my DVDs, and I've got thousands of words on all of these DVDs that we've preached. If you'll learn these words, you won't be afraid of anybody. You'll go out in public, somebody says something, you'll say, that's not what that means. It means something else. If you want to know, I'll tell you. You'll, if you learn the words, watch my DVDs. There's an education on my DVDs. 3,878 lessons. I've got... I can't even begin to tell you all the definitions. Not just Greek definitions, but American definitions. I, definitions corrects people, makes preachers angry. Because why? You correct them. They got a doctor's degree from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth or from Southern Seminary in Louisville. I'm a doctor. At, well, good for you, bub. I just think, doctor, you don't even have any idea what these words mean. And they are the original words of the original text. I don't like these churches and these preachers. They are lying to the American public. And they hate you without a cause when you start defining words and correcting them. It's kind of like correcting the seven-year-old. The seven-year-old don't like it when you tell him, get out of the street. No, you can't have that candy yet. You haven't eaten your supper. And when you tell a preacher, a big famous preacher, no, you can't have that. That's wrong. That's the wrong thing for you. I'm not afraid of him. There's not a preacher alive I'm afraid of. Not John MacArthur, not R.C. Sproul. You hear these so-called, these Greek professors get on radio and they give you one word and the whole thing. I'm going to give you a dozens of words in one lesson. And if you come back, I'll give you more. Now, he says... Now, this next verse in John 15, it corrects the Pentecostals, one of the things that they do. When the Comforter is come, that is the truth, taking the cover off, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. Jesus said he won't speak of himself. The man that speaks of himself, there in John 7, uh, 18, if he speaks of himself, he seeks his own glory. The Holy Spirit speaks of Christ. It doesn't say, I got the Holy Ghost. Do you have the Holy Ghost? It doesn't say that. So when these Pentecostals say that, they're messed up. They, now, this is not the only time it says they hated me without a cause which proceedeth from the Father, he said he'll even tell you, he'll speak of him, he won't speak of himself, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. If a man has the Holy Spirit, what is the Holy Spirit? John 14, 15, 16, John 15, 26, John 16, 13, 1 John 5 and 6, the Spirit is the truth. 
It's the third person of the Godhead that lives inside of us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, all right, I've got some verses. This is quoted out of the Old Testament. Let me get a couple of them. Look over here in, in Psalm 69. Psalm 69. People, you know why they hate me? I call them down for all their lies and their error. They have the wrong method of salvation. There is no sinner's prayer for salvation. All the Baptist preachers I was ever around, including my own father. Now, if I'll call my father down and he's dead, he died in 1999, I got tired of listening to him because all he did was say, if you walk the aisle and pray the sinner's prayer and accept Christ. First of all, you can't accept Christ when you're dead. Can you? You're dead in sin, just like that guy in the casket. He can walk up to a casket and say, would you accept this hamburger? Would you accept anything? He's dead. The Bible says, and you hath he quickened. Zoom, zoo. Zoo is our word, zoo. It's, it's actually zoon, Z-O-O-N. But it comes from our word. We get our word zoo from that. It means alive. Alive. Poeo means to make this word ergon in ergon e-n-e-r-g-o-n is our word energy it means to work within e-n means in and this word poeo means to make in a beautiful fashion In a beautiful fashion. It means to make beautiful. He doesn't just make us alive. He makes us alive beautifully. He, and how does he do that? Through fire and trials and persecution. If you don't like persecution, then you don't want to go to heaven when you die. Because we must, through much tribulation... Enter the kingdom of heaven. Yea, and all that will live, live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You want to live godly? I believe it. When you get old, and God's been dealing with you your whole life, I'm old. And you want to live godly. I want to live righteously. Righteously is not something for special Christians. Righteously is the word D-K-I-O, D-I-K. A-I-O-S-U-N-E. This is the word righteous. Real simple. It comes from the Greek word dike, D-I-K-E, which is the word, do you want to live righteous? Right. Do what's right. That's what righteous means. But you can't do that without understanding the scriptures. Now, I want to go back to the Old Testament, show you how this has been mentioned some time. Some people will say, you're only correcting these preachers because you couldn't be successful in life. I was very successful as a real in real estate. Very. God just kept making me sick and I couldn't keep going in that. I wanted to get rich. I wanted to become a rich mogul in real estate. Had intentions of doing that because I was really good at it. That That's not something I said. That's something a, a broker said about me when I got sick in the hospital. He told a builder, he said, I've never seen a real estate agent like Jim. He said he works when he's sick. I work 90 hours a week, every week. 
taking up all my time. It nearly killed me. I don't believe in that anymore. I believe in doing that, but I, what I believe in is this right here. Now, I want us to look at some of these verses. Look at, what did I tell you to go to? Psalm 69. Psalm 69. Look at Psalms, the 69th chapter. And he and David talks about people hating me without cause constantly. And David cries out to the Lord. Now, when you go out here in the world and you witness to people, witness, what does that mean? <laughs> That's funny, isn't it? I can't hardly say a word without telling you what it means. Witness is the word martus. We get our word M-A-R-T-Y-R, martyr, from the word witness. You have to become a martyr to lay your life on the line. I talk to everybody in town that I get every opportunity to talk to all my doctors, all the nurses in the office. I'll ask the doctor, Doc, let me ask you a question. I'll say, he'll say, yeah, what is it? Yeah, go ahead. Did you know it was against the law to celebrate Christmas 300 years ago in America? Every one of them will say, I never heard that before. Well, it was. It was against the law. Christmas is Christ Mass. God, that ought to tell you something, shouldn't it? It is the Mass of Roman Catholicism. Christ Mass. You can look that up. I got a set of Botanica up here. You can come here and get the C volume, put it out, and open to Christmas. It'll tell you it comes from Christus Masse. Everything I tell you is something I've read. Christus Masse means the mass of Christ. The mass is eating human flesh. You tell people that and they get mad at you. When I given our Christmas up, my brother-in-law said to me before he died, I'm not going to give my Christmas up. You ain't going to convert me. And he was an atheist. He liked it. Said he was an atheist. But I like my Christ mass. I like getting gifts. Okay, you go ahead. America's been celebrating Christmas about 120 years. That's all. Your great-grandparents didn't do it. Well, I've said it a thousand times. You will not see George Washington around a Christmas tree in a picture anywhere. They never did that back then. They knew it was Christ's Mass. Why was it so bad? Well, the Catholics, Roman Catholic Church, I preach against Roman Catholicism. It is not a religion. It is a religion, but it's a false religion. Out of John the sixth chapter, they get... The mass, they've literally corrupted the word of God. And they say, well, Jesus said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. But he explained that immediately after he said it. That's what gets me. You got, I've got a book up here on Catholicism somewhere. And it shows the Eucharist, they're holding the Eucharist. A priest is holding the Eucharist up. They utter the words, Hoc est corpus em fili. They say that cracker turns into the blood and body of Jesus. But Jesus turned around and said, here's what I'm talking about. Eat flesh and drink blood was against Mosaic law. We could not drink human blood or eat human flesh. He said, that is an old ancient idiom. He says, my flesh is meat indeed. Indeed. 
equals, this is what flesh is, my flesh, I'm sorry, I can't teach for 30 minutes and get much said. My flesh is meat indeed. Let's put it this way. Flesh equals meat indeed. And blood, he said, my blood is drink indeed. Blood equals drink indeed. And equal, that's an equation. This is what they're equal to, drink indeed. So if you want to know what eat flesh and drink blood is, you define the word indeed. It is the word A-L-E-T-H-E-S. It's an old ancient idiom that meant to partake in a slaughter. Talks about the birds of the air in the 39th chapter of Ezekiel. God at the end of time says, Come and gather yourselves to the great supper of the Lord. Referring to the 19th chapter, the 20th, I'll get it right in a minute. The 19th chapter of Revelation where he comes back and he destroys the kings and the captains of the earth and he says to the birds of the air, come and eat flesh and drink blood. Well, whenever you, whenever you indeed something, you alatheise it. It is a form of A-L-E-T-H-E-I-A. Alatheia is the word truth. Tell people the truth and take the cover off and you will eat flesh and drink blood and they'll get angry at you for saying Jesus didn't mean in Roman Catholicism to eat my literal flesh. What he actually said, this is really amazing. You're not going to know this without picking up an interlinear Bible. He said, the flesh. Here's what he actually said. You won't get this out of Strong's Concordance. He said, the flesh of me. The flesh is indeed. The Tau Eta S A R X. This is an X here. This is not an X. This is a CH, a key. That's a key. This is an X. He said, The feminine gender, flesh, feminine gender is indeed is eating of truth that's what he said it don't get bad if you want to what is the feminine flesh of Christ the church the wife the bride of Christ he said you have to partake of the church which is what take eat this is my body. my body. The church is the body of Christ. When he said this is my body, he didn't mean eat of my literal body. He meant partake of the body which is the church. And I went through First Corinthians, the 12th chapter. And because the hand shall say, I'm not of the eyes, therefore not of the body. We're all baptized into one body. Gosh, that takes us to baptism. We're baptized into one body. Colossians 1, 18 and 24 says, The body is the church. When he said, take, eat, this is my body, he didn't use the word is. 
his would be Enai, E-N-A-I, or a form of Enai. What he said is this esteem. This represents my body, the church. Anytime they had a contract, they would act it out. They had contracts. I've got all kinds of books about the contracts the Jews had. They had contracts. And they would act it out. They called it performing a contract. You know, we still use that. In real estate, we call that specific performance. Once you make a... you put a house on the market and once you get a contract on it somebody makes an offer and everything's agreed in the contract you go through it you have the house appraised and you go through everything that's necessary and you go to the closing attorney then you say we have performed the contract they actually had a one act play in public this is my body the thing that really gets me is this this blood is the new testament in my blood Testament is the word diatheke. No matter whether you like it or not, this is the word. Diatheke. Diatheke is the word testament. Now, this shouldn't be hard to understand. Diatheke means last will and testament. And the scripture tells us. Over in Hebrews, the ninth chapter, that a testament is not of force until the death of the testator. Death of the testator. The testator was the one who drew it up. That was Jesus. So the night before he died, he's saying, this cup is the new testament. We don't believe in passing on crackers and grape juice. That's not what they were doing. They were eating the last Passover. We can read that out of Matthew if you want to. We'll look at it. Look at that real quick. Matthew 26. I'll get back to these times where he hated me without a cause. Matthew 26. This is what gets me. It plainly states it on the page in English. And people can't figure it out. Matthew, when you tell people these words, it upsets them. I don't really care how many people are doing the so-called communion. I don't really care. The Bible doesn't teach that. Now look here in Matthew 26. This is the night before Jesus dies. You have the same thing. In Mark, the 14th chapter. Look at all the chapters. Matthew 26. Mark 24. I'm, excuse me, 14. And Luke 22. I challenge you to go to those places and look and see what it actually says. Here's what it says. In Matthew, the 26th chapter. This is right before Jesus takes the cup and says, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. What were they eating? The Bible plainly, specifically tells you what they were eating. When you tell on people, but the church has been, this has been the the method of the church for 2,000 years. It has not. 
It just amazes me that people don't go back and look at church history. It has not. Dipping in water has been a method of the church all these thousands of years. It has not. Just boggles my mind that people can't see this. You go dip in water if you want to. You pass around crackers and grapes to your house, but you're not going to do it here. That's not what they were doing. Have you got good sense? Can you tell something when you read in English, huh? Well, look here. Matthew 26, verse 2. And you know that after two days is the feast of the Passover, not the feast of crackers and grape juice. In verse 17. Now, the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, you look at Luke 22 and 1, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is also called the Passover Feast. Feast of Unleavened Bread. The disciples came to Jesus, saying, Where wilt thou that we shall prepare for thee to eat crackers and grape juice, right? No, the Passover. And then verse 18, and he said, Go into, into the city, and such a man, and send him, Master, the master saith, My time is at hand, and I will keep the Passover. The Passover, not crackers and grape juice. In verse 19, the disciples did as Jesus had appointed them, and they made ready the Passover. And now when the evening was come, this is Thursday evening, somewhere around nine o'clock, he sat down with the twelve and as they did eat what? Crackers and grape juice? Where does crackers and grape juice come in there? The Passover. And they were exceeding sorrowful and began every one of them to send him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, He that dippeth in his hand into the, into, with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. And the Son of Man goeth as it was written, Woe to them that whom the Son of Man is betrayed. If ye have been good for that man, it had never been born. People say, Well, Judas repented. The Bible says better for this man that he had never been born. The ninth chapter of Psalms will tell you all about him. Another takes his office and he was sin then Judas which betrayed him answered and said master is it I and he said you said it and as they were eating what the Passover not crackers and grape juice Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. This represents my body. He was acting out a contract. This is my body. They would always have two witnesses and the two contracting parties. In the event they wanted to invalidate the contract, they'd take them out there in public and say, Is everybody ready? We're going to invalidate this contract. They say, yes, we want to invalidate it. So they say, if everybody's in agreement, we're going to take a nail and drive it through the original contract, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances, rituals, which was contrary to us, took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. That's how they invalidated a contract. Gosh, you, you scholars and authorities, can't you figure that out? 
there were four items at the Passover. Number one, there was a lamb. And the Bible says there in Luke 22, it came time to kill the Passover. Now, three things were called the Passover. Three things. The feast was called the Passover. It was seven days. The feast, number two. And that was what the day was called. Day was called the tenth day. I'll get it right in a minute. The fourteenth day. Fourteenth day of the first month. First month. Which was Nisan. Which is our month, March, April. And they had, that was the 14th day of Nisan. That was called the Passover day. The feast was called the feast of the Passover. And then you had the lamb. Now, if they're going to kill the Passover, are they going to kill the feast? Are they going to kill the festival? Are they going to kill the lamb? They had a lamb there. This frustrates me. You're going to pass around crackers and grape juice, you're going to forget the lamb? Well, let me show you over here in Luke 22. Saying the same thing. Same thing. Luke 22. Says it here, but I'll go ahead and show you in Luke 22. Verse 7. You can see in verse 1, in the Feast of Unleavened Bread drew nigh, which is called the Passover. That's a seven-day feast. Then in verse 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed. Is that the lamb? And why aren't you guys passing around a little slice of lamb if you're going to have this cracker and grape juice? What are you doing? But if you don't study church history, you're not going to know where this came from. It came from one of the church fathers named Cyprian. I'll get get to him in a minute. There was a lamb without blemish. You find the Passover lamb in 1 Corinthians. That's after the Gospels, after Jesus is dead. 10. Excuse me, 5. Chapter 5. In chapter 5, the Bible says Christ is our Passover. He's the Passover lamb. Then number 2, they had unleavened bread... Leaven was a type of sin. Unleavened bread for seven days. And that was the feast of the Passover. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10 and and 17. We, the church, being one, being many, are one bread and one body. How many bodies are there? Ephesians 4 and 5. There's one body. The body's the church. Great day, you preachers. If you don't go to the, if you go to the church of Christ, and you don't go and take the communion, and pass around crackers and grape juice. At a church of Christ and get dipped in water by a church of Christ preacher, you're not going to heaven. Did you know that? The church of Christ believe they're going to be the only ones there. I heard about this guy that died and went to heaven, and the guy was showing around heaven. And he said, "Who are these people over?" And he went, "Shh." That's the church of Christ. They think they're the only ones here. (laughs) 
Don't disturb them. Well, I doubt with their doctrine they're going to get there. And then what else did you have? Three. You had four cups passed around. They were not cups of leavened wine or a wine that could make you drunk. Making a drunken elixir was an art. Grapes off of a vine would not ferment. They would sour. It had to have so much sugar, so much yeast, had to be aged at lukewarm temperature. What did God say to the church at Laodicea? You're lukewarm. You say, I'm rich and I have everything I need. And you don't know that you're destitute spiritually. Buy me gold tried in a fire. Four cups, and here's what's amazing to me. The third cup, according to one of the best officials, that'll tell you all about Alfred Edersheim, he will tell you, he was a Jew, born in 1825, died in 1889. He has retained Jewish culture and custom. This temple, its and services, I got a copy here and I got a copy at home. I got two of them at home, one upstairs and one downstairs. This is a fantastic book. He will tell you the official term for the third cup of the Passover was called cup of blessing. That was the official title for the third cup. In 1 Corinthians 10 and 16, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? It was against Jewish law to drink blood. That was an idiom. It meant to undergo a death. Jesus asked James and John in Mark 10, can you drink the cup that I drink of? Can you be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? Cup of blessing. We're in a spiritual Passover. If you believe in passing around crackers and grape juice, and you say, there's all these other verses on this, Jim. I've covered everything you can imagine. I've covered the 11th chapter of 1 Corinthians. Uh, give me another day, and I'll tell you all about that. Mr. Edersham says, and they had bitter herbs. That's what... That was called the sop. And they were not sitting all of them on one side of a table. That's the stupidest, dumbest picture I ever saw. You'll never see that in my house. You won't see it in here. That was painted by Leonardo da Vinci. The guy was a homosexual. What did he know about the Word of God? Nothing. And yet... We got that picture of everybody sitting on one side of the table. All right, everybody, get on the other side of the table. This won't do. It's in, people think because it's been tradition, it must be true. They'll sit on one side and have somebody come in and paint their picture. And Judas, when he left on the breast of Jesus, it's not talking about... Here it is, right here. Judas. Not Judas. Judas. So, excuse me, John. When John left on Jesus' breast, didn't mean he was sitting there in a chair going. That's the stupidest picture I've ever seen. In my library, I've probably got 500 pictures of the triclinium table. That was called a feast table. And it was three sides. 
Do you think this don't make the church of Christ or the Baptist angry when I preach this? That's why they're angry at me without a cause. All I'm doing is giving them definition. They get furious with me. You guys ought to be ashamed of yourself, you Baptists. You, you knew that Christmas was pagan in 1850, and you, and you believed in predestination. All the heads of the Southern Baptist Convention up to about the 1920s believed in predestination. The man who started B.H. Carroll organized Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth in the mid-1800s, and he organized it on the doctrines of the sovereignty of God and predestination and election. And they don't preach that within 100 miles of that place now. You guys ought to be ashamed, you bunch of Baptists. I was raised in a Baptist preacher's home. I know what you think. I know what you believe. But when you start talking to people like they're seven and eight years old, saying what you're preaching is wrong, and it is. You say, Jim, you sound frustrated. Oh, yes. I, I am depressed out of my mind because preachers are lazy. They don't care what something is. They care what tradition has told them through the years. And the Lord told Israel, you will drink bitter herbs when you go away from me and you apostatize. I'll give you bitter herbs. And the sop in the middle of the table was the bitter herbs. And to lie on someone's bosom meant it didn't mean to lay your head over like a homosexual. Maybe that's why Leonardo da Vinci painted that that way. Leonardo da Vinci was a great painter, but he was a jerk. He didn't know nothing about the Bible. And to lie on a trocolinum table, they had the servant would come in here, and they would lie on the table. They would lie on the table prone, laying down. To lie in someone's bosom, like John lay in Jesus' bosom, they would lay on their left side like those guys there, and they would lay on their left side, and they would lie on their arm, and to lie in someone's bosom means to lean back to the guy behind you and talk to him. I didn't make that up. That's the information if you guys want it. And the Bible says, God says, in my judgments, I change not. The word change shall not. Means to mutate or transmute, change something from one thing into another. Transmute or duplicate. God did not take the Passover and change it into crackers and grape juice. He did not. I deny that. Does that frustrate me? I don't know of any preacher that's telling all of this other than myself. And does that make me feel proud? That depresses me to no end that I listen to preachers. I'm screaming at the radio when I'm going down the road in my car. No, no, no. If you're not upset, you don't know enough yet. It upsets me. And when he said he didn't mutate, 
He said, I do not mutate the Passover. You have a spiritual Passover, and I don't duplicate. I don't have a spiritual Passover at the same time that you're passing around crackers and grape juice. It's not true. How do I know that? I study my books. I go to the culture and the custom, the idioms, the metaphor. Get off at other time. He'll tell you. He'll set you straight on some things. He was converted to Christianity when he was young, in the mid, somewhere around the 1830s, 40s. He wrote us some books and tells us about the culture of the Jews. And you look up in the temple that's ministering service. He'll tell you these things about the Passover, and we're in a spiritual Passover. The Bible says so in First Corinthians. It's amazing, 1 Corinthians is a Passover series. And whether people like it or not, baptized does not mean to immerse in water. It absolutely does not. I didn't make that up. Had one guy write to me and said, I talked to this Episcopal priest. He said he knew that baptized originally was an infinitive. Wow. But he couldn't afford to preach it. What in the world is an infinitive? This, does this make people mad when I preach this? Oh, it infuriates them. Predestination. Christmas is pagan. It's Christ's mass. Crackers and grape juice is wrong. Where did that come from? A man named Cyprian. Let me just explain this real quick. Where did the crackers and grape juice come from? They had in the first century, you could go into McClinic and Strong and look up agape, A-G-A-P-E. People don't have any idea what that word means. You'll hear Church of Christ talk, agape. We've got an agape feast in council here. They have any idea. you got two words for love. In the Greek text, it makes people mad for you to tell them what they are. I've tried to tell people, I say, well, there's agape and flow. Yeah, I know agape. Agape is a godly kind of love. No, 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 no. It's more than that. If you go into Kittle's Dictionary of New Testament Greek Words, Mr. Kittle will tell you that agape was a relationship between fathers and sons and kings and their subjects. That's agape. So it has to do with fathers and their sons, fathers giving to their sons, fathers to sons, laws to live in. Tells them the family business, your father's a baker, and you'd be called the son of the baker, a baker. Or they had a word for that. Called it Bar Baker. Simon Bar Jonah. Bar means son of Jonah. Doesn't mean doesn't mean Peter's father's name was Jonah. Simon Bar Jonah. Bar means son of Jonah. Jonah preached. He was told by God to preach to the people at Nineveh, the capital city of the Assyrian Empire, Nineveh. And 
And the Assyrians were barbaric people. They were butchers and slaughters. In fact, the American Indian invented all of, didn't invent scalping or didn't invent. It was invented by a bunch of Caucasians up here between the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea. Between this sea and this sea, and the, this is the Caucasus Mountains here. We get the word Gog from Caucasus. Caucasus. Gog, the Gog. And it was invented by these guys here, what the American Indians did. And the conquistadors, when they landed in South Salvador, San Salvador, led by their so called heroic leader, Columbus. And Columbus was a butcher. He butchered them, carried them back to Europe. You can get all kinds of information on this over here at Barnes and Noble if you want it. But you got to read. I read every day, all through the day. I've always got a book with me. They're all over my kitchen. All and Mary says, clean those up. And I clean them up. And then I start taking them back out again the next day. They're all over my library, all over my office. Just books everywhere. I just pick them up. Let me read something about this. You, I tell kids here, learn. If you learn, you won't be fooled by people or preachers or even people in business. If you learn... I believe in learning. I've been reading since I was a little kid. Read everything I get a hold of. I read. You ever read articles that are boring to you and you don't want to get into it? Huh? I'm always reading boring articles. When I get on down into them, I go, whoa, I didn't know this was here. And I find out. I believe in reading and educating ourselves, especially when it comes to the Word of God. Bar, blessed art thou, Simon, son of Jonah. You would, we would say John, son, Johnson. That means the son of John. That's the way we put it. Williamson. That means the son of William. That's what it means. So Peter wasn't the literal son of Jonah. Jonah went to Nineveh. And he was resurrected out of the belly of the fish, and he preached repentance. And to be a son of someone, you have to be doing the work of your father. Jesus told the Pharisees, your father's the devil, the works of your father you will do. He's not Abraham. I know you're the seed of Abraham, but he's not your father. To To be a son meant you will do the things that God says do. And he preached repentance. To Nineveh, repent. And they repented and made Jonah mad. Why? Because the bar- because those Assyrians were butchers and barbarians. And by the way, they were Caucasians. How do you like that? Deal with it. Now, I was going to tell you where that comes from. When you, you look in McClinic and Strong, let's sit right here. Look up Agape. Agape was a relationship. Well, let me go ahead and put phileo there. Phileo means affection. When the Bible says God is love, this is not the word. God is agape. When it says love your neighbor, it's agape. It means walk in the commandments of God concerning your neighbor. But that what are the commandments of God? Is it, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not covet? Well, yeah. 
But what else is it? It's every imperative mood that Jesus gives us in the Greek. If he gives an imperative command, an imperative is a command. I've used the illustration so many times. My son Eric is 50 years old now. I can't tell him this now. But I used to say, take out the garbage. He says, I will do that later. I say, you'll do it now. That's when he's 15 or 16. (laughs) That was an imperative command. That wasn't an invitation. When God says, agonize, strive to enter the straight gate, if you really believe God, you will agonize. The word is agonizomai, A-G-O-N. It's an imperative command. If you belong to God, you will agonize over your sin. Comes the word agon. The agon was the arena where they fought. The Christians were fed to the lions. They were turned loose into the gladiators. And this right here is the agon. Out there. Agonize. Lay your life on the line like those Christians that like they were burning them on the stake here. Lay your life out there and be a witness for the Lord. But you can't do that unless you know enough of these words. If you keep listening to my DVDs, you'll learn. You'll learn these words. Is it worth it? I think a lot of people come here after two or three, four years they leave because these words are intimidating. I'm not trying to intimidate anybody. I'm trying to educate you in the truth. If you'll use two or three of these words and then just come up and learn them as you can. They say, what does that mean? I don't know, but I'll find out. A man named Cyprian, they had this agape love feast. They had it on the first day of the week. That's why we meet on the first day of the week, because Jesus rose from the dead on the first day of the week. That's another story. I don't have time to go into it right now. Phileo means to have affection for. When the Bible says, Jacob, have I loved, have I loved before either Jacob or Esau was born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand. It was said unto Rebekah the elder, Esau will serve the younger Jacob. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated, before either one were born, for either one had done any good or evil. Well, let me just ask you this. Who did God give his commandments to in the Old Testament? Did he give, didn't he give his commandments to Israel? Isn't that who he gave them to when Moses went on the mountain? Jacob's name was changed to Israel in Genesis, the 32nd chapter. He only gave his commandments to Jacob. You have to be in, in a spiritual Israel for God to love you. He doesn't love everybody. If he loves you, he'll write his laws on fleshy table of your heart, and you will learn to be obedient to his word. You're not saved by works, but you are saved by faith that worth. Faith, the Bible says in Galatians 4 and 5, faith worketh by love. That word love is agape. That's walking in the commandments of God. So you'll agonize over sin. You'll humble under his hand. 
But he's not inviting you to humble. The hand of God is evil man. God turns evil men loose on our lives just like he did David. David said in Psalm 17, Deliver me from the wicked which is thy sword in thy hand. The way God uses evil men is to crush us under his hand and cause us to be obedient to him. If you don't want to be obedient, you don't want in this deep message here. That's why people hate me because I'm correcting the preachers. And a man named, they had this agape love feast. When you look at 1 Corinthians 11 chapter, they're having the love feast there. When the Roman Empire started attacking the Christians, they were killing Christians right and left there in the first century. Fast. Slaughtering them by the hundreds of thousands as they grew. The people would meet in caves, in the catacombs. The catacombs are those, are those pathways under the city of Rome. They had long pathways. And they'd meet down there, the Christians would. And they'd say to each other, did you bring your little lunch with you? Your, your script? A script was a food bag. It wasn't scripture like that stupid Jim Jones said. Bible says, take no script with you. And he threw his Bible on the floor. Script is a food bag where you carried your cheeses and your figs in it. They would meet in the catacombs or in a cave or under a trench. They'd bring your little food bag and we'll fellowship together. And they had this agape love feast. And they, they kept that going even in little private places. All the historians, Williston Walker and his book of church history, uh, Backhouse and Tyler, and uh, the old guy that was a, can't even think of his name. He, they tell you that Cyprian kept this going in the middle of the second century, around 250, around 250, he kept it going till it entered the Catholic Church in 325 A.D. when Constantine started the Catholic Church and they moved it in there. And they called this agape, they called it sacrament, means sacred elements. Sacrament means sacred elements and they kept that in the church and it bled over to the Baptists and all the rest of them and it's not true. It was called the love feast in the early church. One other thing. What makes people angry is when I tell them that baptized was not a verb originally. Had a guy write me a letter. He said, I talked to this Episcopalian priest and he said he knew that baptized he knew that it was an infinitive Boy, that is, you talk about guilty, but you don't even know what an infinitive is. If you're reading McClinic and Strong on Baptize, or reading Robert Becker Girdlestone, his book, these were brilliant men. They'll tell you that Baptids originally was a verbal noun. It had verbal character, but it was a noun Nonetheless, a noun is a person, place, or thing. This is a thing. Baptized comes from two words. Baptizo. This is amazing to me. And bapto. 
if you get your Strong's Concordance and open it up and look up baptize, it will take you to a number in the back. It will say, baptizo means to cover, and it'll say from, and it'll give you the number for bapto, and it means to stain and to die. And if you take your same, your B volume, and look up blood, it'll tell you at the end of the article that a blood baptism was a death. Was a death. When Jesus looked at James and John and Mark 10, he said, can you be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? And he's going to die the next day. He says, can you die the death? I'm afraid a lot of people that come here, they don't like this message on death to self, daily cross, self-denial. And one thing they do not like, you can't get anybody to discuss John 15, 18. Look at John 15, 18. I may have to wait till next week to get to all of those other places where the Lord said, I've never heard a preacher even deal with this. John 15. This is Jesus' words. How much time do I have, Mike? 15. Oh, gosh, I'm not going to get through all this. Huh. John 15 and 18. If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hate you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world... But I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. You have to be hated in order to be a believer. Why are you going to be hated? You're going to be hated without a cause because you start defining words and telling people what they mean. You're going to go against the Baptists, the Church of Christ, the Pentecostals. Sorry, but that's what it is. I want to tell the truth. I don't care if somebody takes a gun and says, we're going to get down there grace and truth and shoot you right between the eyes. I say, let me put a bullseye there. I don't want to be crippled or be a quadriplegic in the hospital. I want you to be sure and hit me right between the eyes because I'm going to tell the truth. I'm tired of the preachers. I got tired of my father years ago. I didn't know what it was. I couldn't figure it out. Every Baptist preacher in America is telling to accept Christ and pray the sinner's prayer, aren't they? Everybody's saying that. There is no sinner's prayer for salvation. The Bible says so. There is no accept Christ. The Bible says so. When you're dead in sin, the Bible says the natural man, 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. The Spirit. The Spirit is the truth. The natural man does not accept, doesn't receive. Natural sukikos. P-S-U-C-H-I-K-O-S. That's our word physical. It means the sensual man. The man that can see, hear, taste, smell, feel, sensual man does not receive decomai. Decomai comes from the word dec, which is the word ten in the Greek. Ten. 
And from that, we get the word Decalogue. Decalogue comes from deck and logos. Logos is the word word. It means the ten words of God or the ten commandments. Decomai means to reach out the ten fingers and accept an offer that's been given. The Bible says dead men do not accept anything spiritual. You're dead. How can you say, well, okay, give me that hamburger. Stand up in the casket. Will you accept the things of Christ? Yes. When? After you are birthed. After you are born again. Well, is that your will to be birthed? No. Is it praying a prayer and trying to repent while you're still in your sin? No. God has to make you alive by his will. Of his own will beget he us. It was the will of God, his boule there in James 1.18. It was his, his purpose to birth us because he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy, hagios, and without blame, amamos, it means no blame. I've told you about the Alpha. Holy hagios means to be pure. And we get the word from holy. Well, I'm writing it down again. Hagios. And from that, we get the word hagiazo, H-A-G-I-A-Z-O, which is the word hallowed be thy name, Lord, destroy my name, make your onoma holy in my life. That's the word name. Your authority, get rid of my name. And it means to sanctify. It's the same word as hallowed and the same word as sanctify. But how does God get rid of our authority? He takes us through years of fire and trials. Thinking not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. It's not strange. Strange is kenizo, the word X-C-N-I-Z-O. Kenizo. It's this word, that X, X, C-H-E-N-I-Z-O. It's kenizo. It comes from the word X-E-N-O-S, which means a stranger and occasional guest. The fiery trials is not a stranger in the life of the believer. You have to go through it in order to belong to God somewhere. Somewhere in your life, you've got to go through fire for the cause of Christ. We're not talking about being behind on your house note. We're talking about not owning a car. We're talking about people that persecute you somewhere in your life if you're a believer. There's some absolutes in the Bible. One of the absolutes Jesus tells us is David Cross. He says, He that beareth not his cross and followeth after me absolutely cannot be my disciple. What is a cross and where do you get one? In the first century, you had to be condemned to a cross either for being a criminal or a slave. A Roman couldn't be crucified. Jesus was crucified as a criminal for blaspheming the word of God by the Pharisees. They used the Romans as their instrument. So you have to be crucified. You have to take a daily cross. You know that verse in Luke fourteen twenty-seven. I've used that in the bank. 
I leaned over to a teller and said, could I tell you something the Bible says that really hurts? She said, yeah. I said, Jesus said, if you don't have a daily cross, you cannot be my follower and you can't go to heaven when you die. I said, is that hard? She, she said, yes, it is. I told some guy to nursery. Me and Barry were buying some plants out in the nursery in Joelton one year, about 10 years ago. These guys were loading the plants on our car, on our truck. And I said, y'all ever see that guy on TV with the chalkboard? Yeah, we see him. I said, let me ask you a question. Do you know that you have to have a daily cross in order to go to heaven? And they're going, just shaking their head, no. I said, Jesus said, without a daily cross, you can't go to heaven when you die. In fact, he gives you a command in Luke fourteen twenty three: Any man comes after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Huh? What did I say? 14. Oh, that's, I get all those things going. Luke nine twenty three. Take, deny, and follow are imperative moods. This is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. Take, deny, follow. Take is, is you take up your cross, A-I-R-O. We probably get a word A-R-R-O-W because that means to bear up into the air. Deny, op. A-R-N-E-O-M-A-I. Oppo means utterly deny, contradict self. And these are all imperative moods. And if Jesus said them and used imperative mood, he means everyone that's going to follow me has to take their cross daily. You have to utterly contradict yourself and follow. I love the word follow too. Too. B, in the same way with. The emphasis on the word way. Then the same way with akulatheo, A-K-O-U-L-A-T-A-G-O. It means to be in the same way. The way he is in is the narrow way. Way There's two ways, a narrow way and a broad way. You tell people if you're not in a narrow way, you're not going to heaven. It is a form of the word thelipsis. It is the verb form of the noun thelipsis, which is the common Greek word for tribulation. And God is not just asking you if you would like to go through tribulation. If you are a believer, you have to. That is a command. Somewhere in your life, this has to take hold of you. And you've got to go through tribulation. You have to deny self. How do you do that? You just tell people the truth. Aparneomai means to utterly contradict yourself. Make yourself do what's right instead of what you want to do. You want to not talk to those people. You say, Jim, I'm awful young in this faith. I understand that. You can't do that all of a sudden, but you can say something if you know it's true. You can say, well... We quit celebrating Christmas. We found out some things about it. We found out it was Roman Catholicism. People going, well, what? Well, you want to talk about it? I don't beat people up out in public. I just talk. It's kind of like 
I'm a Greek and Hebrew teacher. I go out in public. That's my avocation. Well, actually, my vocation. I go out and talk to people about the truth all the time. I see, isn't that interesting? I, just, I go into history. I go into all kinds of things and say, let me tell you something interesting. And they get mad at me. They look at me and back away from me. The next time they see me, they go, oh, hi, Jim, i got to run. Uh, good to see you. And they run away. They're going to run away from you. You know what that's called? That's called a daily cross. Because they put you to death on a figurative cross. Death is the word thanatos. It means to separate it. Don't mean to annihilate. I'm going to have to come back next week and kind of work on this message because I got all these verses about people hating me. What I cause? The only cause that they, the only reason they hate me is because they don't like the definitions of the words. They don't like you to define baptize. When, when the Bible says, can any man forbid water? It doesn't say that in the original text. It says, not the water, forbid. Forbid is an infinitive. It means stop the water for these Gentiles. They're going to think they have to be dipped in water, and they don't. There was a proselyte baptism that was water. But they said to be a member of the kingdom of God, which was Israel, you had to be circumcised, washed in water, and offer two turtle doves, two turtle doves, and that was the laws of, that was in the law. The circumcision and the two turtle doves is in the law. And they implemented the washing in water. They called that a new birth. And they said, if any man would go through this, and they were from out of Israel, they would have to listen to Jesus. And they kept saying Jesus was a Samaritan. And they considered Samaria as foreign to Israel as you can be. And that was northern Israel. Reasons for that. And I'm out of time. <laughs> I'm just trying to show you. This is kind of another statement of faith. Is what it's about. Don't matter whether you like the truth or not. It, I got a sign on the back of my car. One of my cars. It says... The truth is the truth whether anybody believes it or not. Whether you like the idea that baptism was originally a noun, that's neither here nor there. It was. And the Bible bears that out. When Jesus tells James and John, can you be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? Do you think he's regressing to three years before and say, can you be dipped in water? And one of them says, well, I can't be dipped in water because I'm allergic to water. There are people allergic to water. You do know that, don't you? I can't be, Jesus, can I do something else besides be dipped in water? He's talking about the fire. He's talking about the cross he's got to die on. I know this bothers people. The thing that people hate more than anything is definition. They hate it. Because when you start defining words... I am not afraid of any doctor of theology in America. You guys know I'm telling the truth. I've known several doctors of theology. They're not that deep. Usually they try and impress you with their $20 words. That's what Hank Hanegraaff does. He's got all these big words. The ontological God, who cares about that? Just say the being God. Or... One doctor said, we need to ameliorate this situation. What? <laughs> ameliorate? Took me half a day to find that in the dictionary. It means to speed up 
Why don't you just say that? Accelerate. We know what that means, I guess. I'm out of time. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for truth. Help us to continue. I'm depressed out of my mind at the world and the preachers. I don't know what to do but what I'm doing. I don't know anything else to do. I can't shut my mouth. Thank you for truth. Give us strength. Lord, I pray for the church. Give them strength to stand in these truths, to learn these words, to learn the meanings. It's definition that men don't like. It's the culture and the customs. They have their traditions. You said these lead men away. Thank you for your word. Fight our battles. We're not going to fight anybody anymore. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I'm going to come back to this. And just keep listening to the truth. definitions <laughs> that's funny I got something for you got right here I'm totally out of money right now that's all right I love you. Come here. Thanks. I love you. <laughs> Look at this. What she was writing all this down. Masculine, feminine, neuter, cosmos. This is her, I guess. That's funny. Oh man. Watch yourself this morning on Channel 49. I wasn't able to. That was a good message. Was it? Yeah. Well, people say you're repeating yourself, but that's what the Bible does. Repeat yourself over and over. Please. Huh? You want gum? He said, please. Please? Do you love me? Yes. Why? You're so old and I love you. I'm what? Old. I'm, I'm so old. Is that why you love me? Yeah. Okay. Well, old people need love, you know that? Yeah. <laughs> because I'm so old? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Here. Well, let me take it off for you. Homie, hey, what are you doing? How you doing? What's going on besides the same thing? Scott, how you doing? I'm doing okay. I've been meaning to call you and see how y'all getting along, but I just been. We both been sickly for days. And, yeah, we can't get over sickness. That's our. Yeah, 
Yes. Witness. Huh? Look. Taylor. Yeah. Witness in his air. Okay.